0: We Are Three are three women entrepreneurs, therapists and authors who witness the powerful impact of blending Eastern spiritual practices with Western psychology. They use diverse practices, philosophies, and theoretical perspectives to provide their clients and listeners with opportunities to learn, grow, and heal moving wounds to wellness. With their raw, risky, and real framework, they provide a safe place for relaxation, Connection and a means to let one's guard down. They share their real stories, tips, and practices to tap into healing potential. Please let me introduce the We Are Three trio of Carmen Jelly, Suzanne Rochon, and Natalie Labelle.
1: on this computer. Hello. Suzanne and April, nice to see you both today and I'd like to welcome everyone to our new We Are 3 series entitled Returning to Real. This is our new summer series that Suzanne and I will unpack the the why and the how of returning to our our real selves, our real authentic selves you might say. We are extremely excited about the series because we will host real guests, real-life people, um, and engage them in our raw, risky, and real conversations. So with courage and vulnerability, our guests will share their personal journeys, lessons, and discoveries. In real life, we have challenges, struggles, and crisis. There are constant cycles of growth, birth challenges, and rebirth. There's a story I really like about a Japanese Zen master. And on his deathbed, he was asked, how would you sum up your life? His answer was, one mistake after another. That one always makes me chuckle, because there is no way around it. Life is about making mistakes, learning, growing, and healing. But how do we get through struggle? How do we rise like that famous phoenix? In this series, it is our intention to create a safe place for our viewers and listeners to ride those waves with us, to heal from wounds to wellness and ultimately return to being real. Defining and measuring our real self often feels very challenging. So our conversation's aim is to pinpoint, to pin down, some practices and strategies that create connection to ourselves. Our self-awareness is connected to self-worth, our goals, our achievements, positive coping strategies, and a whole array of other psychological benefits. Developing ourselves, in other words, is a constant, ongoing practice. It's, It's life. So how do we integrate, grow, repair, heal? Today, we will explore this questioning this question by examining the power of everyday rituals and connections. In all the conversations we have had about change, we always come back to the idea that change is growing the good inside ourselves by creating routines, rituals, and practice on a consistent basis. With that said, I will turn the floor over to Suzanne, who is very excited to introduce our guest today.
2: Ah, thanks, Carm. That was beautifully said. And you know, the opportunity to tap into the wisdom and experiences of others, for me is such a powerful way to gain insights and new perspectives and whether it's this series or some of the other podcasts that we've done that's always what we've aimed to do so i loved the way that you that you described returning to real and really it's for me it's about creating that space for a community where everyone has an opportunity to share their stories, their insights, a practice, experiences, failures, and successes. And all of that is an offering to help others navigate their space. So so the intention is that we're all in this together, we all bring a different perspective, and together as we share our stories, we can grow and we can learn and we can develop. So yes, I'm super excited uh, to introduce April Porter. Um, so let me read you, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll read you the your bio from the book that we're going to be talking about today. So April is the manager of the Nipissing Early On Child and Family Center. She's worked in the social services and education fields for over 18 years. She leads a team of educators and is constantly learning from her team and the families that she walks with. April is a yoga and meditation practitioner, a teacher and a student, a writer and a reader. She earned a bachelor of psychology degree and her bachelor of education degree and looks forward to completing her master's degree in psychology before the 50th birthday. She lives and works in North Bay with her three children and her spouse, Kevin. So welcome, April. We're absolutely thrilled to have you and to be able to share um, and to hear from you about uh, your contribution to the newly released, and I'll show it again, um, the newly released collaborative book entitled Ordinary Oneness, and this was published by As You Wish Publishing, and your story, I have it pinned here, I've got my little sticky notes, Um, page 248, and it's called Everyday Rituals and Connectedness. So tell us, April, about the story.
3: Thank you, Carmen and Suzanne. Thank you so much for having me. I feel very honored and blessed to know you both and uh, to be here today, so thank you. Um, The story, uh, I guess, is sort of a um, brief description of my journey throughout life this far. And it talks about um, what I feel I've learned as I've moved through uh, the past 46 years. And so it really talks about um, the, the trials and tribulations very generally of, uh, you know, of a girl born in um, actually born in Manitoba, but raised mostly in a city environment uh, in southern Ontario. And um, how I I guess unlearn and learn as I move through life. Yeah, and that connectedness um, and the everyday rituals or practices that continue to help me along my way.
2: I love that, April. I love how you you talk about the learn and the unlearn. And it's something that we have talked about so often in our podcasts. Um, you know, where we, uh, and, and part, and I'll go back to part of the, the returning to real series is about returning to our, our our authentic selves and, you know, the real belief that we're born truly I'll, I'll use the word perfect and, and authentic, Yet over time, so many things are passed down to us and we learn so many things um, that really never belonged to us. And part of the journey is unlearning those things. So I love how you, I love in the story, how you speak about that.
1: That really as yeah. well, the, when I read your words, learn and unlearn, I thought there's, there's, Isn't that it? That's just so powerful because we are born who we are, and yet we do learn ways to cope, we learn ways to survive, and part of our personalities are created um, through life, you know, and so that we we learn how to cope and, and show up in our first families. And yet, a lot of times, it served us, those parts served us well for so long, and then all of a sudden. We're in a new place or a new choice point in our life and it's not, they aren't working or a certain strategy might not be working anymore. So yeah, we have to like take that pause and unlearn as we learn new things. So that is a is the dance, isn't it?
3: It is. And, and adapting, you're right. You know, you think of yourself um, as far back as you can go. I don't have the kind of memory that remembers events as they happened. I have more of a memory that uh, remembers it in sort of a picture form. I can see myself there just as a picture. And then sort of the feeling that I had from that experience. So when I think back, to you know, a certain age and then look forward to say um, at the age of 10 or 12, it seemed like a different person because we adapt, right? we adapt to our environment, we adapt to uh, what experiences we've gone through. And so we do change and, um, and then you move through life, you know, year after year and try to sort of un- unpack all of that and, and return, like you said, to who you, who you are authentically.
1: Yeah, it's like life has these ongoing, continuous cycles of organization, disorganization, reorganization, and we we kind of go through those cycles. And um, I love what you said about you how you recall your you. It's more you're connected. It feels like you're connected to your body and your mind in terms of the sensory or the images that you see. That that's really interesting, and that came so clear as I read your story, which really moved me to tears. It was just beautiful. And I'm I'm also curious, is this your, this this is your first publishing experience and what inspired you to become a published author and to
3: share so courageously and authentically? Well, um, I, I think I've always wanted to write Um, I've always been very interested in in writing poetry from a very young age. Um, I've always loved to read. Um, And so I just feel like at some point throughout my life, I know that I would put pen to paper and write in some capacity. Um, And so when the opportunity arose, which, um, you know, wasn't that long ago, I thought, well, all right, let's give it a try and see what happens. And uh, and it is a very vulnerable thing to do, to to reflect on your own experiences and then put them down, uh, for others to see. And so it was uh, it was quite the process to go through, um, but I'm I'm glad I did, and I hope to continue writing.
2: That's beautiful, April. And this was a collaborative book. So tell us a little bit about what a collaborative book is like
3: yes so the opportunity came from you both um, as you have written in collaborative books as well and so it um, it's a collaboration of many stories um, put into one and the as you wish publishing company um, takes care of a lot of the sort of behind the scenes work for you and so you are able to uh, write um, within the book And the theme is kind of bubbling up as you write um, from the publisher, um, Kira Schaefer. And and so I can't remember how many stories there are, but there's a lot of stories in this book of ordinary oneness that will touch your heart and and that you can relate to. And um, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to use this as my first publishing um, piece of work.
2: It's such a beautiful opportunity, isn't it? Um, and I know I, I, I share um, <clears throat> the, um, you know, I, I, I share the excitement that, that, you know, you talked about just in terms of being able to actually um, turn this, I'll call it, creativity into reality. Um, and it seems so much more accessible to us now. And, and, and one of the things about, you know, um, sort of beginning your writing journey in a collaborative book is that it really does offer the opportunity to take really small steps, um, to sort of dip your toe in the water and test it and, uh, and just play. Right and play you've got you know you've got x amount of time to come up with a particular story on a pretty broad topic and um and you can bring you know whatever whatever creativity whatever you you are uh called to 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 channel to the story so Mm -hmm. it's it's such a beautiful way to start and to delve in to that creative space.
3: Absolutely. I agree. Yes. And, and, um, and then it's like that sort of starting point to what's next. Is there something else that I have to say? Is there something else that I want to communicate or, uh, you know, share with the world? And that can be very uh, vulnerable. um, But it's wonderful that you have that choice to be able to say, okay, am I gonna to continue to walk down this path or am I going to look at a different way that I want to share my experiences with the world?
2: Yeah. I love that, April. Yeah,
1: Yeah. pushing yourself outside your comfort zone is part of, uh, it is a practice, isn't it? That we, in, in and part of the creative expression as well, part of the creative journey. Uh, like you said, Susan, dipping your toe in the pool instead of just diving head in. And, uh, you know, April and I have been friends for, I think it's over five years since I moved to North Bay. And and we, and she became, she was my neighbor across the street. And we, we you know, we bumped into each other and started talking. And and I'll never forget, you know, some of the conversations we had around running. Because it's it's a similar process, isn't it? We started running together, and then the next, you know, we were entering in a half marathon together. And that process is similar, isn't it? Because I remember the look on your face when I told you <laughs> you could run a half. Minute. If you can run 5K, you can run a half, and you were like, "What are you talking about?" But and I find that our, that's that's a great metaphor for life, though, isn't it? And um, it really is. It's a parallel process anything that we encounter that we're we're unsure of or that we don't have that courage or confidence in if we just try those everyday rituals and practices we can grow them and we can change and develop and and heal some some
3: you know some icky stuff inside yeah absolutely yes yes i remember when you said that to me is that if you can run a five kilometer Race, you can do a half marathon. <laughs> I thought, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but you're right. It's that, oh, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone. That's really the only way forward, right? Is that even if it's just like this much outside of your comfort zone, then you're developing something different, right? You're or you're opening the the space for something different. Or, something more so that was yeah that's definitely a really good parallel the running and uh, and life itself Mm
2: -hmm. and that's where the growth happens it's outside of your comfort zone and 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 you know when I when I listen to you both sort of describe you know running and writing that's there no matter what you do you know, whatever. And, and for somebody else, it could be something very different, but the moment that you bump up against the edge of the comfort zone, that's when you start to discover things about yourself that you never knew.
0: Absolutely. And,
2: and that's, that's the gift. That's the gift of, of, you know, pushing ourselves and, and, and going outside of, um, of the box. So beautiful. I, I absolutely love, um, you know, to hear anyone who is courageous enough to, to test the waters and just do that little bit extra. April, mm-hmm. let's talk about connectedness. So your story is entitled Everyday Rituals and Connectedness. And I think connectedness is such an important topic these days, especially in our COVID and pandemic experience. Um, many of us are missing, lacking that, you know, that sense of connectedness. But you speak about connectedness in two ways. In your story, you talk about connectedness to others, but you also talk about connectedness to self. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what connectedness to others and to self means for you, and why it's so critical for you to have that connection to self.
3: Yes, Um, so... I think it's really important for myself to feel that um, I am connected to, um, for I mean, lack of a better word, who I am inside. So um, maybe the essence of who I am, um, because that's my starting point to be able to be connected to others. And so if I can't sort of, look within and have that reflective practice about what's important to me, what do I want to see for my own life, how do I feel, you know, sometimes it is very simple as how am I feeling right now, you know, what is my jaw feeling, what are my shoulders feeling, what is my heart telling me, that, you know, that, that has to come before I can feel connected to my children or to my friends or to my work which, you know, means the world to me, all of those things. And so um, that self-connection is really about um, checking in with myself. uh, What are my intentions? What are my uh, wants? And then being able to act on it. So, um, you know, if I'm noticing that I'm feeling tension, then how can I give myself what I need in order to move past that. Um, and then, and then I have the ability to sit down and, you know, help my my daughter maybe with some math homework or go for a walk with the dogs and connect about the day and say, you know, how are you feeling? And what do you need from me? And those are often the the best conversations that we can have. And in those moments is again that connectedness. Right, where you're noticing the grass, the green grass, you're noticing your, your child speaking to you and how they feel, and you feel the breeze on your face. And it's just all of those things are so interwoven that um, I think it really does start with in here. Mm-hmm.
1: I
2: love what way- I hear you describe as being in the present moment. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Checking in, yeah. I love that word you said, checking in in the present moment, and then you can be with others, but first being with yourself, and that's the opposite of checking out, right? So often we're we're in our stories, but you just said it so beautifully that you know you check into your emotions, your feelings. Is there tension in my body somewhere? And so reading yourself first before you try to maybe check out through. We we often do that as humans, don't we? We we check out through avoiding or you know lots of lots of other ways, pushing down, stuffing down, avoiding, distracting, where a world of overwhelm and distractions come into place. So, but Suzanne and I often talk about taking that pause, shifting back. And I, I love the way you framed it as checking in.
3: Yeah, and I think that this moment in time for our world has really given us that opportunity um, to, to take that pause and maybe think about where we are and who we are and where we want to be, right? Um, so although it's been a really difficult time, um, uh, you know, this last 16 months for our world and, uh, and for our communities, I think there has been you know, gifts within it that allow us to, to take that pause and that's not to say that I have not checked out because I definitely do check out at times. I, you know, and sometimes you don't realize it or I don't realize it until I've watched three episodes of a show that I'm like, oh, I was just, you know on autopilot for like, you know, two, two and a half hours. Okay, now now it's time to realize that that's enough. and And what am I gonna do next? <laughs> That's okay.
1: We can do that for periods of time. And that's what we need.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think it does, you know, warrant an afternoon of watching, you know, uh, a really good show, but also being aware that you're not doing it every afternoon or every evening. Right. And that that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of hours in our day and yes, we are busy and our world is busy, but uh, we get to choose how we, how we use our time. So, you know, once everything that has to get done, gets done, you know, there are still hours where do I wanna go for a walk? Do I want to call a friend? Um, do I want to ha- you know, do a yoga practice? Do I wanna just sit and, and pet my dog and have a cup of tea, you know? Um, yeah, and so I think there are ways that we just have to think about what we're doing um, and be a little bit more aware rather than watching a a show for three hours. (laughs) Yeah. What I hear you describe, April, is that we actually
2: have choices. And sometimes we feel like we, or we perceive that we don't have choices. But that was a beautiful description of, okay, I've watched TV now for two and a half hours. Is there anything else that I want to do? And what is the spectrum of the choices that I do have? And that was one of the things that I absolutely loved about your story is that you described, you know, the rituals, and we'll get to those a little bit later, but you described those rituals as things that you're choosing and things that are shifting for you. But I always... You know, as I was reading your beautiful, beautiful story, I always imagined that you were very aware um, of what you were aware of, what you needed, and you also were aware that you had different opportunities that you could pick from.
3: Yes, I, I feel like I've lived a very blessed life. I absolutely have. Um, And so I have been able to um, have choices. And I I know that we all do, but I feel a sense of obligation in the way that I have been privileged to have maybe more choices than some. And so that's uh, also something that I think of and feel responsible for. Um, But yeah, I, um, I think that this shift in thinking um, is also a choice, but it's also our experiences that allow that to happen. Um, and so, when I was, uh, you know, in my late teens and early twenties, um, being exposed to certain people and certain books and certain experiences ha- did lead me to be able to say. Wow, you know, like I do have a say in how this story plays out and I do have the option to shift my perception of what it is I've gone through and what it is I'm going to go through. And so that to me, I think, started the path of of creating those rituals, um, those practices that then allowed for um, that shift to continue right? And that connectedness to self and others. Um, and so it's not to say that the rituals are always every day. You know, I often, I started with meditation at that time and, and then of course, you know, um, I did the meditation and then I didn't do the meditation and then I did meditation and then, you know, but with each time that I started again, I felt, um, even better. And even more optimistic about life.
1: Yeah, you just described the
3: learning process.
1: Yeah, unlearning and learning, and it isn't easy. Sometimes it is baby steps and and but checking in with yourself and knowing what, what does my body need, my body, mind, and soul need for nourishment, for connection. And maybe sometimes it is the yoga, the meditation or a run. But yeah, as you reflect on your um, opportunities and what came up for you, there's, there's um, a, a um, part of you writing on page uh, 249. I'd like to check in with you on that. Um, you say, if I go back as far as I honestly can in my book of memories, there is a note on the side of the 20th page in coercive that say, says, start here this is who you are. This is who you must remember to be. Such a beautiful, beautiful way to to describe uh, an experience. So tell us what this means for you and and how did
3: you come across that realization? Um, I think it's because I always remember when I was very little, being happy and outgoing and I really wanted to make friends and be with my friends. And I felt like a lightness um, within my childhood and a joy. And so um, I wanted to go back to that. That is sort of, again, the essence, right? Of that person who sometimes um, stumbled and got lost along the way so when you when you look back at that four or five-year-old and you see pictures right in my head of you know the experiences and and the happiness that was then that's that's who in my heart i feel like i am um even though life has you know given me experiences that may have changed me a little bit right
1: nature remembering who you came in this world as Yeah, want the connection to others, the friends, the happiness, the playfulness, those qualities that are belong to your true self.
3: Yes, yes. And I mean, you know, when you look at your children or your grandchildren, you see that, right? You see that in their eyes that they just light up and they're just so inquisitive about the world around them. And uh, I think that that's who we need to remember to be.
2: Hmm. And that's the unlearning yes that, that we talked about at the beginning, right? We're we're unlearning all of those things so that we can return to that space.
3: Absolutely. Yes. Because when I look at my 12-year-old self or my 16-year-old self, how different is that person compared to the five-year-old, you know? very, very different, very different perspective about life, different experiences. um, And a lot of it is hormones and all of that kind of stuff. But it's also, you know, it's also the life journey that uh, you go through that, yeah, the things you learn, like you said, the things you learn along the way that you have to then unlearn. Yeah.
2: And there's a mind body connection there for you as well. And we alluded to it a a little while ago, but, but what you're saying, you know, about you sort of remembering who you were at four, you talk about it in terms of your body. And on page 252, you say, I slowly began to move my body and recognize my mind's connection to it. And this allowed me to remember who I was when I was four. Yes. Mm.
3: So not really understanding before then that connection to the body. Um, you know, I started to do yoga and I started to walk and I started to just move in in a way that um, I guess without judgment and without that sort of lens of, Am I the best at this? Am I going to win at this? What is my goal? <laughs> just moving to move and then being able just to connect with yourself. And that too does bring you back to that four or five-year-old. When you look at a child that's four and they're dancing, you know, they're just dancing for the joy of it. They love, they love their body movement in the space and they just, yeah, that it, that's, that's how I think yoga and meditation um, really changed my perception of of the body-mind connection. In the Compassionate Inquiry
2: work that Carmen and I do, we bring people back to the body. And when you think of, um, I'll say, Um, more typical counseling psychotherapy Um, it's about behavior we and and while uh, of course that's still really important um, and it you know it's about talk therapy but part of our approach is to bring people back into their body so that they connect they can connect with some of those early memories and and that authentic self through the body as opposed to the mind. And when you see that unfold, you're describing it in a in sort of a day-to-day process, but when you actually see that unfold, it's an absolutely, I'll say magical way of returning and connecting so those parts of us that are often not easily, easily reachable, but we can reach them through the body.
3: Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: returning to those earlier memories, sometimes we can't always do that intellectually. And there's other layers of knowledge there's other ways like you've mentioned april like you know dropping into your body your emotions your sensations yeah it's such a beautiful journey when we we recognize that that's connection isn't it all levels of connection and when we can do that we can we can suddenly understand some of the beliefs that we have about ourselves that may no longer be true for us that may have got created along the way somewhere. And we have to unlearn some beliefs and and maybe reach out and reclaim some of the things that we lost. You know, as you were as you're talking about a four-year-old, like my four-year-old grandson was here yesterday. And the playfulness I got to witness is always so inspiring, you know, running around the sandbox was full of water. So and you know, filling his bucket up and watering all my flowers and just like just let's do it and that like the energy the creativity the playfulness those are all qualities that that we were born with that some of us lost along the way but I love how you describe that um you can recall some of that when with your four-year-old self too and and we do need to recall that
3: yeah I think so and, uh, yeah, I agree it's, um, and I think sometimes it's the breath that can get you there. Um, you know, whether it's through uh, a conscious meditation or just taking that five minutes to sit with yourself and breathe and notice uh, what's happening as you breathe with your body that can maybe sometimes stir, um, Stir a little bit of memories or a little bit of knowing of who you you truly are. Yeah, there's there's a connection there.
2: There absolutely is a connection there. Um, I wanted to go back to something that you said, April, when you were talking about meditation, you said, you know, I did meditation, I didn't do meditation, and then I picked it up again, and it felt good when I picked it up again. I think I think there's a notion that we if we drop something or if we stop doing something that, you know, we're taking a step back. And, you know, people feel discouraged when they stop doing something because it, it's a bit of a they perceive it as a failure. But the way that I imagined it when you were describing, you know, this the, the doing, the not doing, the doing uh, was but you, you, you can't go back to, you know, before you started doing it for the first time, right? You pick it up where you left off. And sometimes you pick it up a little, you know, even a little further than that because you've also gained all sorts of other experiences. So what do you think of that? What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yes, so I think that when I first started I definitely had more of the perception of, well, I did it. It didn't really work or I did it, but now I have to start from here again and and go forward. But you're right. That's not the reality. The reality is that you've done a little bit of work and then maybe you just need to be and not do, and then then you eventually do again. And so I think that if we're gentle with ourselves rather than being judgmental, um, it, it ebbs and flows, like it's it's it comes when it needs to. And yes, we want to be aware and we want to be consciously making choices that are best for us. And for me, that meditation is within that. Um, but recognizing that where I was before I started any sort of meditation, I'm not there now, right? Just like you said, mm-hmm. you know, you 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 move forward. And then you continue to move forward. And sometimes it's going to look like this and other times it's going to look like (laughs) this (laughs) and that's okay. Yeah. Waves, isn't it?
1: Sometimes it's a a tidal wave and sometimes it's a, (laughs) a little wave, but you're riding the waves. And I think often people, myself included can get caught in a perfectionist trap or black and white thinking in terms of I have to be really good at something or I'm not gonna do it at all. And so sometimes we don't even start or we quit too early, um, but it, it's, it's sort of embracing like what you said, April, being compassionate with yourself, kind and not judgmental and it's okay to fail. It's okay if you're surfing that wave and you fall off the surfboard and you're 200 feet further back than
3: where you started, that's okay too. Yeah, because you're, you're not on the beach, right? You're still in the water. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, <but> no, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: I love that analogy. Absolutely. So what would you say then, April, to people who struggle with keeping sort of a daily practice?
3: Um, I think for the most part, all of us are in a little bit of a struggle to continue to practice on a regular basis. When I think of running, um, you know, this week I could only run once because I wasn't feeling great, but that's okay. Right. So then next week I'll aim for the three runs that I was supposed to do this week. And it's, it's, um, it's okay. And if, if um, Kerwin Ray, a motivational speaker that I listen to, uh, says that structured discipline leads to freedom. And so I had to sit with that for a little bit because um, you know, I'm trying to sort of, I, I go from one extreme to the next. So like Carmen was saying, that perfectionist, you know uh, attitude is difficult for me at times, or then I won't want to do it at all. If I can't do it perfectly, I'm just not going to do it, right? But when you think about that statement that structured discipline um, leads to freedom, it's true because if you do something in a structured way, day after day, or, you know, um, month after month, so, you know, maybe this week it's two times, next week it's three times, but over time, that structured, you know, routine or ritual allows you to feel better, to be better than you were the week before and um, gives you a sense of accomplishment. So I think that that's true. And for um, anyone who struggles or feels like they can't have this routine of running or fitness or reading or whatever it is that they want uh, along their journey, I think it's just not giving up. Just keep, keep doing it. Keep putting one foot in front of the other and, um, and just do it. Yeah. The small
2: daily incremental steps rather than the all or nothing mentality, I think is what I'm hearing.
3: Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, because over time you see the difference. Yeah. And we've talked
2: about that a lot um, in, you know, it, it one, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you want to color in a coloring book, if that's an activity that grounds you, that brings you joy and peace, or if you want to do marathons or if you, you know, want to listen to music or read a book or climb mountains all of those things like
1: yeah. We're, we're, yeah. yes all of those
2: it doesn't matter yeah. yeah so one do what lights you up and two do it a little bit every day yeah. or as best as you can yeah. right because we also talk about you know do the best that you can and not every day is a hundred percent so do a little bit as often as you possibly can as a path to freedom
3: yes absolutely yes and and that's going to be different for everybody yeah
1: And, and the latest brain research supports your experience. It supports our experience. You know, we can change by, by doing things differently over and over again, rewiring those neuron pathways in our brain um, to lean out of negativity into more gratitude thinking or just being more positive and taking, maybe empowering ourselves to to write our next chapter right to, to write your story to write your next book April right and it, <laughs> it, 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 it's a step you took in this beautiful beautiful story in the ordinary oneness book um a great parallel process of life isn't it
3: it is absolutely it is thank you
1: Mm.
2: April, it's been an absolute honor to, to to have you on our podcast today. Um and uh you've brought us words of wisdom, you've brought us a beautiful perspective, and you've inspired me. Um and I really, really want to thank you for that. And for our and I wonder for our listeners, um our listeners and our viewers, where can they pick up your wonderful, ordinary oneness book?
3: So the book can be ordered through Amazon, actually. So if you have an Amazon account, you can just type it on in there and you can um, order a audio book, I believe, or not sorry, not an audio book, a Kindle book version, uh, or the hard copy. Yeah. Thank you Excellent. so much to Carmen and Suzanne for welcoming me into this chat. I had a lovely time. I appreciate your time so much. And um, I, I would be very happy to come and sit with you too again. You're welcome anytime.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. And thank you so much for sharing this space with us. It's been our absolute honor to witness uh, your journey and to just share with, with everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you've enjoyed today's discussion, please like and share with others. We invite you to explore the many other We Are Three topics filled with insights to guide you through your life's journey.